0: At the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty is a bronze plaque with a poem that was written as part of an effort to raise funds for the construction of a pedestal for the statue. That poem has passed into the American cultural landscape as familiar to us as Apple Pie and the Declaration of Independence. Written by the great Jewish poet, activist, and immigrant advocate Emma Lazarus, the poem titled The New Colossus reads... Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep your keep ancient lands your storied pomp cries she with silent lips give me your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore send these the homeless tempest-tossed to me i lift my lamp beside the golden door few works encapsulate american ideals as lazarus so Lazarus's poem does. America is to be a beacon of hope to those regarded as human trash in their homelands. The United States is to be a great salad bowl of human diversity and ability combining into a whole greater than the sum of its parts. We all know, though, that we Americans have often failed to live up to these ideals, We white middle-class Americans are descendants of immigrants ourselves. Many of them fled from war, famine, or persecution. Yet they, attaining positions of power in America that they never had in their homeland, often minimized or denied the humanity of others. Those who were already here, the American Indian, and those who were brought here forcibly, those of African descent, were especially denied human rights and dignity. Lazarus's poem stands as a stark reminder of what the United States can be, what it ought to be. Her poem is steeped in her work as an activist on behalf of Jews who fled Russia in the wake of pogroms there, but it also has a more ancient source in Scripture. Time and time again, the Bible proclaims that God takes sides. God is on the side of those the dominant culture regards as human trash. Why that word trash, you may ask? It's a nasty word, isn't it? Surely nice people that we are would never treat others like trash. Mama always taught me to treat everyone the same, we might say. Five minutes in a grade school classroom or at the grocery store should convince us that that's not true. There have always been some people we've wanted to inculcate favor with and others we don't care about. We can't treat everyone the same on this side of heaven. Inequality is bred into all of us. Besides our behavioral default. Synonyms of the word trash are used in both Lazarus's poem, the wretched refuse, and in the psalm itself. Psalm 113, verse 7 is translated euphemistically in the NRSV. It reads, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the needy from the ash heap. A closer translation might read, He picks the helpless up out of the dirt and lifts up the destitute from the garbage pile. These are people that the world has decided aren't worthy of human treatment, dignity, or even life. People like Ahmad Arbery, Tamir Rice, Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, or George Floyd. People who are non-white and afraid to have a barbecue or invite friends over or go out because someone just might call the police on them. Or in our community, Alexandria, Douglas County, which is overwhelmingly white, those say who live behind the mall. Every community has its outcasts. Every community has those who are treated like trash. What the psalmist reminds us is that God's in-group and out-group are totally opposite to that of the world's. Yes, God loves everybody. That is clear from the Psalms. That is clear from John's Gospel. That is clear from the universality described in this psalm, where God is God from east to the west. God's glory is above everything. But God has a special concern for the lost, for the disregarded, for those whose lives Don't seem to matter. Remember that God leaves the other 99 sheep that are doing just fine to go after the one. Remember that God searches the whole house for the lost coin. You can imagine God, like this woman, who's searching the whole house, overturning tables and chairs, trying to reach under grandma's ottoman just to find that one lost coin. Remember that Jesus' mother Mary in the Gospel of Luke sings, He has brought the mighty down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. This is not socialism. This is not class warfare. This is not pastor's politics. Believe me, I would love to preach a simple God loves you and God loves everyone sermon today. But the word of God can't be domesticated into a simple God-loves-you-and-God-loves-everyone message. Our God is also a God of justice. God loves everyone, yes. God offers salvation to everyone, yes. But God has a special love and concern for those that the world disregards. The psalmist is filled with ebullient praise because of God's special love for the outcast. God's universal reign is proclaimed from the place of the sun's rising to the sun's setting. God reigns not in heaven, not in heaven, but above heaven. Did you catch that? God is not some mere tribal deity at the beck and call of any nation, people, or tribe, but rules over all nations, all peoples, all tribes. And all of God's people are precious to God. That's amazing good news. And it can also be difficult to hear. Because everything we think that distinguishes us, or makes us good people, or makes us worthy people, doesn't count for anything with God because it's all grace with God it's all about grace and besides we were lost people we were in our sins we were captive to death in the powers of this world which tell us how high to jump they tell us to be who to be nice to and who to hate who to love And who to ignore. And because we were so incredibly lost, God came to us in Jesus. God in Christ did not come as one of the people in power. He didn't come as an emperor or a high priest or dictator. You can't come to people and expect them to love you if you're lording it over them with fear. Jesus came as one of the ones the world threw on the trash heap. Jesus was lynched by the dominant powers as a threat, state-sanctioned violence. But Jesus could not be contained by the power of institutionalized religion or by state power. God the Father raised up God the Son through the breath of God the Holy Spirit. God won the victory over every false promise and ideology that puts itself in God's place and keeps humanity captive. And God sets us free from everything that binds us, makes us whole again. We're freed to be a shalom people in the fullest sense of that word. Knowing that amazing good news, we know that there's much more to life than preserving it. There's much more to life than protecting it, defending it, preserving it at all costs. There's much more to living than being comfortable. We have work to do. We have work to do to be in solidarity with those whom God is seeking. To be willing to set aside our own comfort and privilege for the humanity of others, knowing that our our reward is not on this side. In fact, it's their, the only reward, so to speak, is God's grace. This isn't an economic transaction with God. God gives us his grace regardless. And we have work to do, to always be, always learning about the amazing things God keeps doing to make us, and especially the most vulnerable, whole. Shalom. A shalom, people people what we are called to be. Let, Let us pray. Lord Christ, you continually search for the lost and despised of the world. Fill us and the whole world with your shalom. Bring your justice and healing to this deeply hurting world. Amen.